All right. This is the Conversation Cannabis and Christianity podcast. My name is Miguel Torres, and I am your host. And this episode, today's episode, is titled Dreams, Part One. Dreams. I think everyone dreams. I know somebody, be somebody out there that says, you know, I don't dream, or I have never dreamed. Okay. I still think everybody's dreamed. And I think everybody dreams. And I think that happens. Actually, I don't even know when that begins. But here's where I have seen it. Um, babies, when they're sleeping and you see them smiling and laughing in their sleep, or even crying sometimes, they're dreaming. Already, they're dreaming. And those dreams are powerful enough to make them laugh and smile while they're asleep or make them cry and become scared. And the funny thing about dreams is I think many of us, probably all of us, look to our dreams like puzzle pieces that are trying to put together a picture of who we are or who we are to be. And that's the unique thing about dreams is that they can be very powerful. And we know that they start with babies. And they can also be kind of terrifying too. <laughs> I, remember, I remember there was a, a guy I was working with and uh, I knew he was he was upset with somebody who worked directly for me. And I had to go talk to him about it. And uh, I said, hey, how's it going? He said, I'm living the dream one nightmare at a time. <laughs> and I, even though there was tension in that in that uh, initial uh, engagement, that. I laughed. I had to laugh because I'd never heard that before. Because I do hear people say, I'm living the dream. But when they say it, they don't look like they really mean it. You know, they look like they're trying to convince themselves that what they're doing right there and that then and there. And that may be the truth. That may be what somebody needs right there. I'm not saying it's wrong. I'm just saying that's the time that I hear it the most. Living the dream. And it's, you know, it's more sarcastic than it is sincere. Um, at least it sounds that way. At least it sounds that way. <clears throat> so, yeah. Nightmares. People say, yeah, nightmares are dreams too. And that's true. <laughs> that's true. One thing's for sure, like we said, they start with babies. And uh, families. And there's, there's many mentions of dream in the Bible. But I'm going to read one about Joseph. Because this one's pretty pretty well known. But when you read it directly, it, it's, it tells you a lot more than what some of the overarching takeaways are. The context and the details. And it's actually, that, that colors it. So this is Genesis chapter 37, verse 1. Now Jacob lived in the land where his father had lived as a stranger. In the land of Canaan. That's kind of odd right there too. Now Jacob lived in the land where his father had lived as a stranger in the land of Canaan. These are the records of the generations of Jacob. 
Joseph, when he was 17 years of age, was pastoring the flock with his brothers while he was still a youth, along with the sons of Bilhah and the sons of Zilpah, his father's wives. And Joseph brought back a bad report about them to their father. So he's telling them, he's saying, hey, they're, he's tattletaling, right? These are family dynamics. This stuff happened, not just family, but this is people. What we're dealing with in the context of a family. Now, Israel loved Joseph more than all his other sons. That's not very good either. Now, check this out. Because he was the son of his old age, and he had made him a multicolored tunic. And his brothers saw that their father loved him more than all his brothers. And so they hated him and could not speak to him on friendly terms. That sounds like daily strife. That sounds like daily fighting. It sounds like it sucks. Now, Israel could change that by treating his sons better, the other sons better. But he doesn't. He continues to treat Joseph better, noticeably better. That's a truthful depiction of what was, you know, there, there's no cover, there's no sugarcoating that. Because they, they, take, they, they take revenge. They take revenge. Then Joseph had a dream. And when he told it to his brothers, they hated him even more. He said to them, please listen to this dream which I have had. For behold, we were binding sheaves in the field. And behold, my sheaf stood up and also remained standing. And behold, your sheaves gathered around and bowed down to my sheaf. Then his brother said to him, Are you actually going to reign over us? Are you really going to rule over us? So they hated him even more for his dreams and for his words. Then he had yet another dream and informed his brothers of it and said, Behold, I have had yet another dream. And behold, the sun and the moon and eleven stars were bowing down to me. He also told it, told it to his father, as well as to his brothers. And his father rebuked him and said to him, What is this dream you have had? Am I and your mother and your brothers actually going to come to bow down to the ground before you? And his brothers were jealous of him. But his father kept the matter in mind. Then his brothers went to pasture their father's uh, flock in Shechem. And Israel said to Joseph, are your brothers not pasturing the flock in Shechem? Come, I will send you to them. And he said to him, I will go. Then he said to him, Go now and see about the welfare of your brothers and the welfare of the flock, and bring word back to me. So he sent him from the valley of Hebron, and he came to Shechem. So Israel still, you know, still pitting the younger son against the other sons. That's not good. That's not good. That's, that doesn't, <laughs> oh my goodness. As a father to three sons, I can't imagine, you know, that, that just would make my daily life hell if me and my wife decided to pick a favorite and treat them like that. It'd make our lives hell every single day. So, Joseph is walking around and a man found him and behold, he was wandering in the field. And the man asked him, what are you looking for? And Joseph said, I am looking for my brothers. Please tell me where they are pasturing the flock. Then the man said, they have moved from here, for I heard them say, let's go to Dothan. So Joseph went after his brothers and found them at Dothan. 
when they saw him from a distance and before him, before he came closer to them, they plotted against him to put him to death. That's how bad it is. That's how bad the daily life is for these guys in terms of their family relationship with their father. They said to one another, here comes this dreamer. Now then, come and let's kill him and throw him into one of the pits, and we will say a vicious animal devoured him. Then we will see what will become of his dreams. Right? Then we will see what becomes of his, what becomes of his dreams. But Reuben heard this and rescued him out of their hands by saying, let's not take his life. Then Reuben said to them, "Shed no blood. Throw him into this pit in this into in, throw him into this pit in the wilderness, but do not lay a hand on him, so that later he might rescue him out of their hands, to return him to his father." So it came about when Joseph reached his brothers that they stripped Joseph of his tunic, the multicolored tunic that is that was on him, and they took him and threw him into the pit. Now the pit was empty, without any water in it then they sat down to eat a meal then they sat down to eat a meal <clears throat> but as they raised their eyes and looked behold a caravan of ishmaelites was coming from gilead with their camels carrying labdanum resin balsam and myrrh on their way to bring them down to egypt and judas and judas said to his brothers what profit it what profit is it for us to kill our brother and cover up his blood Come and let us sell him to the Ishmaelites and not lay our hands on him, for he is our brother, our own flesh. And his brothers listened to him. Then some Midianite traders passed by, so they pulled him out and lifted Joseph out of the pit and sold him to the Ishmaelites for 20 shekels of silver. So they brought Joseph into Egypt. Brought Joseph into Egypt. That's how mad a dream can make somebody. <laughs> That's how mad a dream can make somebody. Now, the funny thing is, is that I do believe that there is greatness in everyone. There is a, a greatness in everyone. And I believe that because you can see it in the eyes. You can see it in eyes, no matter how much it's been covered up. No matter how much. How much it's been covered up with junk, discouragement, disillusionment, disenchantment. You can still see the greatness, the sparkle of it in people's eyes. And that's true for babies. So when I'm thinking about that story of Joseph, and I'm like, mm, boy, <laughs> dude. you know, he knew his brothers hated him. And he couldn't stop himself from rubbing it in. And that's what happened to him. Now, the funny thing is, is that he's in a bad situation, right? He's just been abandoned by his family. He's listening to his brothers talk about the plan. He's, he knows that his father is going to think that he's dead. They're not going to go looking for him. Nobody's going to go looking for him. And now he might be wondering about his dream. His dreams, because he had two of them. And I think a lot of us do that. We have these dreams of greatness, but they don't match our imagination and the pictures that we have for how it's going to come about. And too many of us get discouraged and allow a dream to die 
which I'm not even sure a dream can truly die. We just allow we we allow it to be put aside for an undetermined amount of time. And it is kind of uh that is not kind of it is an amazing time to be alive. Crossing into a new century, a new millennium, pandemic, technology, ability to communicate with people and create commerce worldwide pretty quickly. Dreams. Dreams, dreams, dreams. Not the same thing as visions. Visions will come up later this year. Now, leaders dream, senior leaders dream, managers, senior leaders, executives, they all dream just like you do. They all have problems just like people do. Now, this next one we're going to read is, uh, is about the dream, about the lack of a dream from a senior leader. The first king of Israel, King Saul. He, he had all the physical attributes, but he didn't have the heart because he was afraid. He wanted popularity. And he did not follow what he was supposed to have done in a couple situations. And Samuel, a prophet, who anointed King or Saul as king, conveyed a message to Saul saying Your king, the kingdom has been taken from you and given to David now Saul was a tall guy, handsome and David is described as ruddy so it's kind of interesting so check this out leaders dream everybody dreams now it came about in those days that the Philistines gathered their army, their armed camps for war to fight against Israel. And Akish said to David, know for certain that you will go out with me in the camp, you and your men. David said to Akish, very well, you will learn what your servant can do. So Akish said to David, then I will assuredly make you my bodyguard for life, exclamation point, because he can see that he can see that David's something's on David. Now, Samuel was dead. Samuel, the prophet, was dead. Just like I said, he was the prophet that, that uh, anointed Saul as king. And all Israel had mourned and buried him in Ramah, his own city. And Saul had removed the mediums and spiritists from the land, the sorcerers, the mediums, all that kind of stuff. He removed them from the land. So the Philistines assembled and came and camped in Shunem. And Saul gathered all Israel together, and they camped in Gilboa. When Saul saw the camp of the Philistines, he was afraid and his heart trembled greatly. Where's his trust? So Saul inquired of the Lord, but the Lord did not answer him, either in dreams or by the Urim or by the prophets. Then, said Saul, then, said, then Saul said to his servants, find for me a woman who is a medium so that I may go to her and inquire of her. And his servant said to him, Behold, there's a woman who is a medium in Endor. Then Saul disguised himself by putting on different clothes and went, and he and two men with him. 
And they came to the woman by night, and he said, Consult the spirit for me, please, and bring up for me the one whom I shall name for you. But the woman said to him, Behold, you know what Saul has done, that he has eliminated the mediums and spiritists from the land. Why are you then setting a trap for my life to bring about my death? So Saul swore an oath to her by the Lord, saying, As the Lord lives, no punishment shall come upon you for this thing. Then the woman said, Whom shall I bring up for you? And he said, Bring up Samuel for me. When the woman saw Samuel, she cried out with a loud voice, and the woman spoke to Saul, saying, Why have you deceived me? For you are Saul. But the king said to her, Do not be afraid, but what do you see? And the woman said to Saul, I see a divine being come up from, coming up from the earth. He said to her, How does he appear? And she said, An old man is coming up, and he is wrapped in a robe. Then Saul knew it was Samuel, and he bowed with his face to the ground and paid homage. And Samuel said to Saul, Why have you disturbed me by bringing me up? Saul replied, I am very distressed, for the Philistines are waging war against me, and God has abandoned me and no longer answers me, either through prophets or in dreams. Therefore I called you, so that you may let me know what I should do. Like I said, he's looking for puzzle pieces in his life, for his own life, just like we all do. Samuel said, but why ask me, since the Lord has abandoned you and has become your enemy? And the Lord has done just as he spoke through me. For the Lord has torn the kingdom from your hand and given it to your neighbor, to David. Just as you did not obey the Lord and did not execute his fierce wrath on Amalek, so the Lord has done this thing to you this day. Furthermore, the Lord will also hand Israel, along with you, over to the Philistines. So tomorrow, you and your sons will be with me. He's dead. Samuel's dead. You and your sons will be with me. Indeed, the Lord will hand the army of Israel over to the Philistines. Then Saul immediately fell full length to the ground and was very afraid because of Samuel's words. There was no strength in him either because he had eaten no food all day long and all night. The woman came to Saul and saw that he was utterly horrified. And she said to him, Behold, your servant has obeyed you, and I have taken my life in my, in my hand and have listened to your words, which you spoke to me. So now you too, please listen to the voice of your servant and let me serve you a piece of bread and eat it so that you will have strength when you go on your way. But he refused and said, I will not eat. However, his servants together with the woman urged him, and he listened to them. So he got up from the ground and sat on the bed. Now the woman had a fattened calf in the house, and she quickly slaughtered it, and then she took flour, kneaded it, and baked unleavened bread from it. Then she served it to Saul and his servants, and they ate. Then they got up and left that night. That's interesting. <clears throat> That's interesting. Dreams. He said the, the Lord no longer speaks to him in dreams. And then Samuel said, you and your sons are going to be with me tomorrow. And people are listening to this. And they still cared for Saul. They still fed him. They still took care of Saul. Senior leaders dream too. Senior leaders most definitely dream. 
there's another one in uh this one's in Jeremiah. And it is uh Jeremiah 28. Twenty-five through thirty-two. I'm sorry, it's Jeremiah twenty-three, twenty-five through thirty-two. So this is Jeremiah, and the Lord is speaking through Jeremiah about the false prophets in Israel. He says, "I have heard what the prophets had said, have said, who prophesy falsely in my name, saying, I had a dream.'" I had a dream. How long? Is there anything in the hearts of the prophets who prophesy falsehood, these prophets of the deceitfulness of their own heart, who intend to make my people forget my name by their dreams with which they report to one another, just as their fathers forgot my name because of Baal? The prophet who has a dream may report his dream, but let him who has my word speak my word truthfully. What does straw have in common with grain, declares the Lord. Is my word not like fire, declares the Lord, and like a hammer which shatters a rock? Therefore, behold, I am against the prophets, declares the Lord, who steal my words from each other. Behold, I am against the prophets, declares the Lord, who use their tongues and declare, the Lord declares, Behold, I am against those who have prophesied false dreams. So it's not just kings of Israel or countries, but also religious leaders who have dreams too. And then there's a, a well-known story about Daniel and Nebuchadnezzar, right? So this one's pretty interesting. This is similar to Joseph in terms of when Joseph interpreted a dream for Pharaoh. That's a very common story too. A lot of people know that when Disney even did a cartoon on it, right? So that is what people want. That is what we're trying to do. We're trying to figure out ourselves a bit more. Our dreams, we seek those things. Now I live in Pinellas County and in St. Petersburg, there's a Salvador Dali museum and Salvador Dali really tried to find out what was going on inside his dreams. I read a little thing while I was there and he would sleep with a, with a ceramic saucer in his hand. And the intent was when he, when he'd hear the saucer crash to the ground, he would wake up and document what was on his mind in his dream. He's trying to capture that stuff. Quite, quite interesting. The importance that we put on dreams. They, they can impact beliefs, thoughts, words, and actions. All right. Now this one's, this one's uh, Nebuchadnezzar, Daniel Nebuchadnezzar. This is another senior leader. This is how serious dreams can be for senior leaders when you think about the responsibility that people have over other people, for other people. And they're trying to deal with them things within themselves as well. Dreams impact that greatly. 
Now, in the second year of the reign of Nebuchadnezzar, Nebuchadnezzar had dreams, and his spirit was troubled, and his sleep left him. Then the king gave orders to call in the soothsayers, priests, the conjurers, the sorcerers, and the Chaldeans to tell the king his dreams. So they came in and stood before the king. The king said to them, I had a dream, and my spirit is anxious to understand the dream. Then the Chaldeans spoke to the king in Aramaic, O king, live forever. Tell the dream to your servants, and we will declare the interpretation. Uh, this is how serious Nebuchadnezzar takes this. The king replied to the Chaldeans, the, can the command from me is firm. If you do not make known to me the dream and its interpretation, you will be torn limb from limb, and your houses will be turned into a rubbish heap. But if you declare the dream and its interpretation, you will receive from me gifts and reward and great honor. Therefore, declare to me the dream and its interpretation. They answered a second time and said, Let the king tell the dream to his servants, and we will declare the interpretation. The king replied, I know for certain that you are trying to buy time, because you have perceived that the command from me is firm, that if you do not make the dream known to me, there is only one decree for you. For you have agreed together to speak lying and corrupt words before me until the situation is changed. Therefore, tell me the dream, so that I may know that you can declare to me its interpretation. That's a senior leader talking to his advisors. The Chaldeans answered the king and said, There is no person on earth who could declare the matter to the king because no great king or ruler has ever asked anything like this of any soothsayer, priest, sorcerer, or Chaldean. Moreover, the thing which the king demands is difficult, and there is no one else who could declare it to the king except gods, whose dwelling place is not with mortal flesh. Because of this, the king became angry and extremely furious, and he gave orders to kill all the wise men of Babylon. So the decree was issued that the wise men be killed, and they looked for Daniel and his friends to kill them. Then Daniel replied with discretion and discernment to Arioch, the captain of the king's bodyguard, who had gone out to kill the wise men of Babylon. He said to Arioch, the king's officer, for, who, for what reason is the decree from the king so harsh? And Arioch informed Daniel of, this matter, of the matter. So Daniel went in and requested of the king that he would give him a grace period so that he might declare the interpretation to the king. Then Daniel went to his house and informed his friends, Hananiah, Mishael, and Azariah, about the matter, so that they might request compassion from the God of heaven concerning this secret, so that Daniel and his friends would not be killed with the rest of the wise men of Babylon. Then the secret was revealed to Daniel in a night vision. Then Daniel blessed the, the God of heaven. Daniel said, May the God of May the, may the name of God be blessed forever and ever, for wisdom and power belong to him. It is he who changes the times and the periods. He removes kings and appoints kings. He gives wisdom to the wise and, acknowledge to, and, oh, excuse me, and knowledge to the people of understanding. It is he who reveals the profound and hidden things. He knows what is in the darkness and the light dwells with him. To you, God of my fathers, I give thanks and praise, for you have given me wisdom and power. Even now you have made known to me what we requested of you, for you have made known to us the king's matter. Thereupon Daniel went to Arioch, 
whom the king had appointed to kill the wise men of Babylon. He went and said to him, Do not kill the wise men of Babylon. Take me to the king's presence, and I will declare their interpretation to the king. Then Arioch hurriedly brought Daniel into, king, into the king's presence and spoke to him as follows. I have found a man among the exiles from among the exiles from Judah who came who can make the interpretation known to the king. The king said to Daniel, whose name was Belteshar? Are you able to make known to me the dream which I have said, seen and its interpretation? Daniel answered before the king and said, as for the secret about which the king has inquired, neither wise men, sorcerers, soothsayer priests, nor diviners are able to declare it to the king. However, there is a God in heaven who reveals secrets, and he has made known to the king he has made known to King Nebuchadnezzar what will take place in the latter days. This was your dream and the visions in your mind while on your bed. This was your dream and the visions in your mind while on your bed. As for you, O king, while on your bed, your thoughts turned to what might what would take place in the future. And he who reveals secrets has made known to you what will take place. But as for me, this secret has not been revealed to me for any wisdom residing in me more than any other living person, but for the purpose of making the interpretation known to the king, and that you may understand the thoughts of your mind. And that you may understand the thoughts of your mind. That's how he's describing dreams. Dreams are there to be understood by the thoughts of your mind. You, O king, were watching, and behold, there was a single great statue. Now, this gets really interesting. <clears throat> there was a single great statue. That statue, which was large and of extraordinary radiance, was standing in front of you, and its appearance was awesome. The head of that statue was made of fine gold, its chest and its arms of silver, its belly and its thighs of bronze its legs of iron, and its feet partly of iron and partly of clay. You continued watching until a stone was broken off without hands, and it struck the statue on its feet of iron and clay and crushed them. Then the iron and the clay, the bronze, the silver, and the gold were crushed to pieces all at the same time, and they were like chaff from the summer threshing floors, and the wind carried them away so that not a trace of them was found. But the stone that struck the statue became a great mountain and filled the entire earth. This was the dream, and now we will tell its interpretation before the king. You, O king, are the king of kings, to whom the God of heaven has given the kingdom, the power, the strength, and the honor. And wherever the sons of mankind live, or the animals of the field, or the birds of the sky, he has handed them over to you and has made you ruler over them all. You are the head of gold. And after you, another kingdom will arise inferior to you. Then another third kingdom of bronze, which will rule over all the earth. Then there will be a fourth kingdom as strong as iron, just as iron smashes and crushes everything. So like that, so like iron that crushes, it will smash and crush all these things. And in that, you saw the feet and toes, partly of potter's clay and partly of iron. It will be a divided kingdom, but it will have within it some of the toughness of iron, 
since you saw the iron mixed with common clay. And just as the toes of the feet were partly of iron and partly of pottery, so some of the kingdom will be strong and part of it will be fragile. In that you saw the iron mixed with common clay. They will combine with one another in their descendants, but they will not adhere to one another, just as iron does not combine with pottery. And in those and in the days of those kings, in the and in the day of in the days, excuse me, and in the days of those kings, the God of heaven will set up a kingdom which will never be destroyed, and that kingdom will not be left for another people. It will crush and put an end to all these kingdoms, but it will itself endure forever. Just as you saw that a stone was broken off from the mountain without hands, and that it crushed the iron, the bronze, the clay, the silver, and the gold. The great God has made, has made known to the king what will take place in the future, so the dream is certain and its interpretation is trustworthy. Then this is what this is the Nebuchadnezzar's response. This is how much it meant to him. Then King Nebuchadnezzar fell on his face and paid humble respect to Daniel and gave orders to present to him an offering and incense. The king responded to Daniel and said, Your God truly is a God of gods and a Lord of kings and a revealer of secrets, since you have been able to reveal the secret. Then the king promoted Daniel and gave him many great gifts and made him ruler over the entire province of Babylon and chief prefect over all the wise men of Babylon. And Daniel made a request of the king, and he appointed Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego over the administration of the province of Babylon while Daniel was at the king's court. Senior leaders have dreams too. Senior leaders have dreams too. <clears throat> Most definitely. And instead of doing the things, I think most people probably take pills. They medicate, they pull, you know, we all do stuff. Everybody does stuff. I'm not, I'm not judging. I'm just saying, pay attention to your dreams is what I'm saying. Subjectively, they are delivering an objective truth for you. Maybe that truth is you're watching too much screen time because that's all you're dreaming about. That might be true. That could be something you need to hear from a dream as well. And this is important because I do believe there is greatness in you. It's in your eyes. People see it. You can try to cover it up and forget about it and think that dreams have died. And that's where things can get kind of strange in this life. Because people say, oh, you know, when one dream dies, dream another dream. It's kind of like, oh, I want to dream the right dream. I don't want to dream a dream that dies. Dreams can change, though. I think ultimately people want peace. They want peace. And along the way, we get bogged down with all kinds of distractions. And those things kind of take over a little bit, more than they should. Now, the references that I read from the Bible were all Old Testament references, right? They were all Old Testament references. So there's a lot of judgment in that, right? 
It does sound like that. I understand that completely. There's a lot of judgment in that because it's the Old Testament. It was a different covenant. It was all about performance. There was no, uh, hey, there's, you heard Daniel ask for a grace period from Nebuchadnezzar. There was no grace period under the Old Covenant. It was perform and get blessed or perform and get whacked, so to speak. That's pretty much it. And uh, it was interesting to, to compare that with how dreams are spoken of in the New Covenant. And I'm just going to go over one. Because this is a little bit different too. You'll see in Matthew dreams used when Joseph and Mary are are uh, are moving about, right? Go here, go there. It's dreams of protection. And then you have an interesting dream that the wife of Pontius Pilate has. She has a dream. And so Jesus is with Pontius Pilate. He's been arrested. And now Jesus stood before the governor, and the governor questioned him, saying, So you're the king of the Jews. And Jesus said to him, It is as you say. And while he was being accused by the chief priests and elders, he did not offer any answer. Then Pilate said to him, Do you not hear the many things they are testifying against you? And still he did not answer him in a regard to even a single charge. So the governor was greatly amazed. Now at the Passover feast, the governor was accustomed to release for the people any one prisoner whom they wanted. And at that time, they were holding a notorious prisoner called Barabbas. So when the people gathered together, Pilate said to, him, said to them, Whom do you want me to release for you, Barabbas or Jesus who is called Christ? For he knew that it was out of envy that they had handed him over. And while he was sitting on the judgment seat, his wife sent him a message saying, See that you have nothing to do with that righteous man, capital M, Jesus. For last night I suffered greatly in a dream because of him. But the chief priests and the elders persuaded the crowds to ask for Barabbas and to put Jesus to death. And the governor said to them, Which of the two do you want me to release for you? And they said, Barabbas. Now, Barabbas is an interesting name because Bar is son and Abba is God. Or daddy. Son of man. Son of God. Barabbas. Son of man. That's what Jesus is. He's the son of man. Uh, and they said Barabbas. Pilate said to them, Then what shall I do with Jesus who is called Christ? They all said, Crucify him. But he said, Why? What evil has he done? He's, he's listening to his wife. Why? What evil has he done? His wife said, don't have anything to do with that righteous man. I suffered greatly because of a dream last night. And now he's thinking, I believe you. And he's trying to take action to make that happen. But he can't because the people are going to have their way. Then what shall I do with Jesus who is called Christ? They said, crucify him. But he said, why? What evil has he done? Yet they kept shouting all the more, saying, crucify him. Now, Pilate, now when Pilate saw that he was accomplishing nothing, but rather a, that a riot was starting, he took water and washed his hands in front of the crowd, saying, I am innocent of this man's blood. You yourselves shall see. And all the people replied, his blood shall be on us and on our children. Whew, that's just, ugh. then he released Barabbas from them. 
after having Jesus flogged, he handed him over to be crucified. People take dreams seriously. And just like Pilate's wife, nightmares can send a message to us as well. I'm not saying that they all have messages. Just saying that pay attention to these things. Pay attention to them. And like I said, if you find yourself dreaming about all the stuff you're looking at on screens, well, maybe it's because you're looking at too much stuff on screens. And that's what the dreamer is trying to tell you. But like Joseph, each of us within us is greatness. And it's been intentionally put there by our maker. His image is on our face. And you can sing. You don't have to be ashamed of anything. That's what Jesus is telling you. He knows people inside and out. He knows the motivations and the desires of the heart. And he knows the thoughts and pictures of the mind. And he knows the words and actions of our mouths and hands and feet. And he's saying, I've already done it. The doing is believing. Now, how dreams factor into that to you, for you? You know, I, and I do that thing with the, with the screens, you know, I, just because I, I got three young kids and technology, see people, I have my face on my screen too. And I'm not judging. I'm just saying, if we find that our entertainment has been reprioritized to the point where it it is now invading our dreams. Something worth paying attention to. All right. This is the Conversation Cannabis Christianity Podcast. My name is Miguel Torres, and this was Dreams Part 1. A little bit funky, but I think you'll get the point. Love you all.